0: Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Today I will continue on the series. Uh, I think uh, I had an opportunity to conclude the series. So whatever the outcome of this, nobody can balance it, correct it, change it, because no one is teaching anymore next week. So this is it. We're closing the authentic series. Now don't worry. So... uh, Basically, we were. Uh, are, are we on? Are we? Are we good? Is the monitor on? Is is it hooked up? Yeah. Maybe double check again the the uh, what you call that thing the, uh. Yeah. Anyway, you get help. Oh yeah, there. Uh, are you okay? There you go. It's working. Great. So these are basically the four weeks. We have week one, submit to authorities. I don't know who thought that. That's a bit, uh, 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 what you call that? Not tricky, but, you know, the ones that, the, the ones that thought, thought that has really a lot of uh, background studies to do. Lobbing your neighbors. That was an exciting topic. How many of you got convicted with that? <laughs> uh, help the weak. And today we will talk about responsibility to the lost. But we're going to look at our goal first. Why did we do this series? Again, to refresh your memory, to learn how we may conduct and walk out our Christian faith and our Christian witness in practical and righteous ways, both in church and in the world. You know, the Bible calls us salt and light. And the way people scrutinize and examine our lives or even judge our lives is on the basis of how we live out our Christian life or how we act, how we behave before the eyes of the people. So this is what this series is all about. We are a people called out of darkness, Peter said. And so all the more we have a responsibility, we have a distinct identity. We are not just like anyone else. The Bible says we've been called out of darkness and placed into the wonderful kingdom of light of the Lord. We are called children of light. The Bible says, you know, we put off darkness. We do not live like that anymore because we have been raised from dead to life. We have been commanded to let our light shine before men. Of course, the Bible says the balance of that is be careful to do your acts of righteousness before men. But the Bible also says let your light shine before men that they might see your good deeds and glorify God our Father in heaven. I don't intentionally show off my goodness. I just act what a Christian should act. Whether somebody's watching or not, we should be in private what we are in public or vice versa. We should be in public what we are in private. That is an authentic Christian life. We are called salt of the earth and light of the world. And we all know what happens if we lose our ability to flavor or ability to To shine forth. The Bible used a very strong language. It said it is useless or good for nothing. Except to be thrown away, to be trampled. So it really talks about serious responsibility on our part. Authentic carries the idea of being the real deal. Legit, true, accurate, original. It is not a copy. An imitation, a replica, a counterfeit, fake, false, or phony. Now, don't get me wrong. Our Christian life is work in progress. I don't think there's anyone here on the planet, no matter how super spiritual they are, they are not, they have not arrived. Amen? So God is continually working in our lives. As long as we are going from glory to glory, that is absolutely okay. Amen? Amen? So this, we're not talking here about perfection. We're not talking here about legalism. We are talking here about our lives becoming more and more like Jesus. As we get ourselves exposed to the light, as we get rid of the things of darkness, we embrace the character of Christ in our own lives. In Matthew seven fifteen, talking about counterfeits, it said, Watch out for false prophets. They come. They come, they pretend to to come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, they are ferocious wolves. These are counterfeits. They try to look real by their fruit. Verse 16 says, you will recognize them. You know, these days, it's very hard. Every airport, especially Japan, you would see big notification. They'd show you the real bag with a, you know, brand as to the fake brand and things like that. I don't really have any high opinion about matters like that. But the point I'm making is it is very hard to tell these days what replica or copy to the real. Sometimes it is very tricky because they would even mix real and with the original. Like with watches, for instance, the crown could be original. I don't know how they get it, where they get it, but it, that's why it's very, very difficult. So the only way we could see in, in the long run is the fruit that's coming out of their lives. A good tree will always bear good fruit. Just like you would expect bananas from a banana plant. You don't expect mango coming out of a banana, right? Although that would be nice because they're both good. <laughs> but, but it's just the law of nature. By their fruit, you will recognize them. You know what is amazing is... Uh, uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8 speaking about us becoming witnesses. There's a particular word. The Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will become my witness. I always find this interesting that the word witness comes from the Greek word martus. By analogy, a martyr. Sometimes I'm thinking, why is that? Why, if you're witnessing, why are you called a martyr? Because you the power of God is so undeniable. So powerful in your own life that you are willing to stake your life for it. And many of us have done so. The choices we make is because of our hope of God, our relationship with God, our hope of heaven. The choices we make. That's why Paul said, if these things are not real, you're to be pitted among all men. Right? But if our faith is true, all of this, all of this is witnessing to the fact that we are fully convinced of who we believe. Amen? That we are willing to die. And there are indeed many who have died because of their witness. One of them being Stephen in the book of Acts. Because he testified he was martyred for his faith. In the days of Nero and many other uh, governments, there were many that were murdered yet they have not denied the name of Jesus. That is what it means to witness. When people, when Saul was looking at Stephen being stoned, he was looking, even though he became a witness, that shocked him. Because here's a man who of the audacity being stoned to pray to God, Lord, forgive them. Just like Jesus prayed, do not hold this against them. And you could see the glow on his face, the smile as he's being stoned to death. That blew away Paul. That's why Paul was so impacted. Of course, it was his encounter with Jesus that got him. Revelation 17 says, 6 says, I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. These are witnesses. It's a privilege. 2 Corinthians 13 says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. So when we talk about the subject of authenticity, authentic, it's good to test ourselves. Where are we? Where do I stand with God? How am I doing with my, in my walk with God? So, so that we have a calculated view of where we are and what help we need. And it said, do you not realize that Christ is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? And I trust that you'll discover that we have not failed the test. For Authentic Series, we're looking at half the second half of the book of Romans. This is a phenomenal book uh, because, again, very, very uh, amazing book. It contains some of the richest Christology, uh, uh, Christological theology. Uh, As Paul had discourse in uh, the book of Romans, it's divided, Romans 1 to 11. The discourse is on theology, specifically on subjects like sin, salvation, Sanctification sovereignty, Romans 1 to 11 deals with what to believe, and the second part of this, Romans 12 to 16, although chapter 16 is more of the conclusion, deals with a practice. This is the theology, this is the practice, and basically delve into uh, primarily service how as Christians do we behave, Which is why this was the one chosen for the topic. So for our text, let me just go ahead and read this to you. I myself am convinced, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, complete in knowledge, competent to instruct one another. I have written you quite boldly on some points as if to remind you of them again. Because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles with a priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Verse 17, Therefore I glory in Christ Jesus... In my service to God, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and miracles, through the power of the Spirit. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. Verse 20, sorry. uh, It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, So I would not be building on someone else's foundation, rather as it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. Father, I pray you bless this portion of your word today, anoint your word, that it might bring instruction, that it might bring encouragement, that it might bring a strengthening to all of us that are here today. Lord, give us ears to hear what the Spirit speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is basically our text that will address concerning our responsibility as witnesses to the lost people. From this length a bit lengthy passage, I want to draw out six important concept, uh, important elements, six important qualities how to become an effective witness. Okay? Six important qualities. So we're going to look at them. I think there's eight verses we read from those specific verses, we will draw out six principles. Number one is affirmation. Affirmation of knowing who you are and what God made you to be. Take a look at this verse again. Paul is saying this. I myself am convinced, my brothers, my sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness. Goodness complete in knowledge and competent to instruct one another. Wow. Sometimes you're wondering, is he talking about me? Is he not talking about the teachers, the scholars? No, he's talking about the saints in Rome that he hasn't even met. Paul, at this point when he wrote to the church in Rome, he was just hoping to visit them on his way to Spain, and yet made this powerful affirmation. Let me, what Paul is saying guys to us, is that you are good, that you have complete knowledge of the gospel. Maybe there are other things that are different, other subjects and matters that maybe that's not really, I mean, it would be of great interest for us to know, but not really necessary. For many of us, it's the heart of the gospel that we need to know. And then it said that you are competent to instruct one another. Let's break this down just a little bit. First, it said, full of goodness. Do you believe you are full of goodness? Guys, the spirit of the Lord is inside you. You know, You may not live perfect lives. You may struggle. But deep down inside of you, because of the Holy Spirit, I know you desire what is right. I know you want to help people. I know you want to live right. I know you want to live pure. I know you want to witness. The struggle is really between the flesh and your spirit. But I've got good news for you. The good news is you can. You can be the leader that God desires for you to be. You can. Preach if you want to preach. You can evangelize. You can counsel people because the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that is in Pastor Mark is also living inside of you. Amen? You don't have an inferior Holy Spirit. You are full of goodness. God is good. God's Spirit is inside of you. In other words, if man has the propensity to do evil, as Christians, you have the propensity to do evil everything good when you know that's why the bible says if anyone is in Christ he becomes a new creature it's only a matter of renewing our minds a lot of our struggles is we don't have faith right here to believe that translates into our hearts it is when you step out in faith and start believing I am what the bible says I am I can do what the bible says I can do that you become a champion amen it is important that you need to realize you are full of good things. That's why discipleship is essential. Discipleship tends to pull these things out, gets you fired up. It activates a lot of these things inside of you. Amen? Whether you like it or not, you may feel like I'm rotten. That's just a guilt feeling coming from the enemy. Maybe you did something wrong. That's a conviction of God. But I want you to understand everything inside of you is yearning to do what is right. Remember Paul's struggle? He said, I knew what is right. I want to do what is right. But the right things I want to do, I cannot do. The things I hate to do, I do. Remember that struggle he had? But he concluded by saying, but thanks be to God. God has given us a victory through Christ, through the spirit of life. It is by the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us, that strengthens us, that supersedes the natural law of sin." You know, there's a law of gravity. Everything you throw will fall. But there's another law higher than the law of gravity. It's called the law of aerodynamics. That's why planes can fly. It can carry tons and tons of weight. And it can fly for soul a long time. Amen? So it's like us. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we supersede the law of gravity, the law of sin and death, and we are operating on a higher law. Amen? This is why you are full of goodness. You Ephesians 1, three says you have been blessed in, in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessings in Christ you can imagine. You don't, lack, you don't lack anything because of the Holy Spirit that's inside of you. You are also complete in knowledge. You know that you are saved by grace through faith. The most profound, I um, forgot his name, Pastor Michael, but most, one of the most brilliant theologians of all times so when he was asked, No, uh, when he was asked, what in all the learnings that you have, the most profound things you've ever learned, what is it that you've learned about theology? You remember this guy's name? I forgot. But he said, that song, that kid's song that we sing in Sunday school, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That is the profound answer. Sometimes you don't need some highfalutin knowledge. The goal, guys, is to get simple people saved. If your preaching cannot level up to an 8-year-old kid, a 12-year-old kid, the greatest glory of theologians and great minds is how they can break up complex things and make it very simple so that your maid, a security guard, or somebody so simple on the street can understand and be saved. Amen? What good is our highfalutin definition and concepts if they don't understand? So the whole idea is to make things simple. You know, Jesus died to forgive you of your sins. He rose again from the dead that you might receive the gift of eternal life. That is the heart of the gospel. And by surrendering your life to Jesus, inviting Him to come into your life, repenting of your sin, acknowledging Him as Lord and Savior, confessing Him as Lord, you will be saved. Then the rest we grow in church through discipleship, through sharing, amen? This is the most important understanding. And finally, you are competent to instruct. Now what kind of credentials do you need to be competent? Well, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but if you're simply one chapter ahead, you can now teach somebody. Well, that's what we say in 1984. Blessed are those who have taken a deeper discipline to learn more, and they're blessed. And by the way, possessing such knowledge is responsibility. You know, not everyone is called to be teachers in that sense because of the responsibility and the weight that you carry. But in this case... Guys, if you are one week ahead, you can disciple somebody. You don't have to wait one year old Christian to be used by God. If you are one day old Christian, you can lead your neighbors to Jesus already. Amen? So this is an affirmation. It's just such an encouraging affirmation. And for us, we need to continually affirm, speak life to one another. Have you ever heard expression, come on champ, you're a winner, you can do it? Amen? Very important that we continually speak life. Speak faith to each other. Because if we don't, the Bible says, if we devour one another, we destroy one another. And our mouth has power of life and death. It's such a small thing like a rudder, the Bible says. Yet it can turn big ships. So that is why we use our mouths to speak life, to build people up, to strengthen people. Competent to instruct. Hebrews 3.13 says, encourage one another daily. Every time you have an opportunity. How would you like if you interact with somebody by the time they left? They just feel so lifted. Because when they're around you, they just, they just feel affirmed, loved. You know, isn't that amazing when you have friends like that? No matter how bad your day is, man, come on, let me pray for you, champ. You're okay. You'll be fine. That's how we need to be. Not go self-pity party, you know, all the time. And complain, and, and, but speak faith. Amen? Speak faith, speak destiny, and there is by the way, a proper place for airing concerns there are it 's legitimate to give feedback and to evaluate we would never improve and get better if if we if we take all the negative comments against us as as if they are you know malicious over us, we need to be very secure, but at there 's a proper place, but if you are the, that person that you feel like your ministry you have a ministry of being critical you should examine your heart amen <laughs> you should uh, maybe that's not normal anymore if everything that comes out of your mouth is negative and complaining uh, then maybe there is a special gift for you but maybe you have to channel that gift to a more productive way okay you know what I oh you know in our church plan when it's very young I would actually gather critical people, critical analytical people to give feedback because they think, they are analytical but then I'm channeling their abilities and harnessing their abilities to make us sharp and even better, okay? So we need feedbacks like that too. Number two, the sec- second word is not only affirmation but the second word is remember. I don't know we, how, how far we could go with this but let me just share Remember, verse 15, I have written you quite boldly on some points as if to remind you of them again because of the grace God gave me. Okay? There are some things, you know, uh, we are the type of people that always wants to learn new things. I mean, in an era, information technology, it fascinates us to see information everywhere. But every now and then, it is also important for us to reflect back to be reminded of, to remember. And one such thing the Lord addressed the church in Ephesus, an angel addressing the church, is to remember where you have fallen. Remember your condition where you were compared to where you were before. Now if you feel like you have gotten better, praise God. Those are good indicators. But man, if you used to be once so on fire for God, and now you're losing your fire, you're more busy, you have no more time for God, you have to stop. You have to remember your first love, the Bible says. Do the works you did at first. So I believe we have things, sacraments, that are implemented in our church for us to remember things. One of them would be communion. The Bible says, do this as often as you could in what? Remembrance of me. So that every time we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we Proclaim, yes, but we remember the Lord's death. It rekindles our passion, our love again. Our love tank is being filled again. Because every now and then, remember the problem with the church in Ephesus, they were working so hard. I know your deeds, I know your hard work, but I have this against you. You've forsaken your first love. So it is actually possible to work, work, work in ministry, serve in church. We're getting burnt out because we're not doing it out of love anymore. We're not doing it out of love. It's actually possible to do our normal routine. Our giving should be out of love. Our worship, it's not because it's 30 minutes away. It's because it's an opportunity to worship. Amen? Coming to church is a privilege. Everything we do is not an obligation. It is a joy. It is a privilege. Communion, weekly preaching is a reminder. It's just truth said in different ways, but it's repeated. Reinforced truth. They're just packaged in different ways. Remember is to call back to mind. Hebrews 5.14 also had something uh, related to this. Solid food is for the mature who by constant use, who by constant use, we need to get grounded on the basics of the faith. Amen? So that we do not get sophisticated, and forget the foundations of our own faith. Worship the Word of God. You know, some people are so technologically advanced, they do not get into the Word anymore because they feel like, you know, they, we have become complacent. We feel like we can access them anytime anyway. No, we need to get back to our first love, to our spiritual disciplines of fasting and praying and evangelizing and all of these things. Did I press anything? I think I did. Maybe I pressed the wrong button. Okay, there you go. Number three is commission. It says, Because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles or the priestly duty proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God sanctified by the Holy Spirit. These are sacrificial, metaphorical languages that reflects sacrificial system. In Revelation 1.6, the Bible says, we are a kingdom and priest. In the Old Testament, a priest would go to the temple, kill the animal, and offer it to become a, a either a burnt offering for atonement, a, a guilt offering, whatever that offering, to be acceptable to God, to atone for people's sins. It's amazing that here, we it shows us something different. The picture we are shown here is that the souls you win for God becomes the offering, an aroma that is pleasing to God. Every time you win lost people, you are. it's just like you are offering something that pleases God. In fact, thousands of angels are rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that turns to the Lord. Jesus valued lost people. Our Savior came to seek and to save the lost. He does not want any should perish but all. To come to repentance. Start with the lost around you. I know we have a charge to go to Micronesia. We have a charge to go to the world. But have you given it some thought around you? Are there still people around me that are not saved? Why don't you pick a few of them? Why don't you covenant with God to pray for them? And believe God. Even if you only lead one person to Christ for this entire year. At least it's intentional. At least you made... covenant, you made an effort. Amen? Because you know what, guys? If you check today the statistics, out of a hundred, you would be fortunate to have two or three people lead a person to Christ. This is the modern-day statistics of Christians. We are called to be witnesses, you know, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and yet we don't do it. Remember, the gospel reached you because there were faithful people who proclaimed the gospel. Don't let it stop at you. You, should, all of us, should become a channel of God's blessing. Hebrews 12.2, for the joy that was set before Jesus. Remember what motivated him to go through the cross. is the salvation of lost souls. He endured. He willingly offered himself as a sacrifice once for all. And out of the joy, he endured the cross. He scorned the shame so that you and I will be saved. Because at the end of all of his sacrifice, he will come out of it. And he would say, it's worth going to the cross. It's worth being beaten, stoned, you know, it's worth shedding my blood for you to be saved. That is how important every single one of you are to God. And I hope we should owe that. Now, this is not Jesus, but this is now Paul saying, because of that fact, I am a debtor. I am obligated to preach. I have no choice in the matter. After realizing what Christ has done for you, the least we could do it's bring lost people to Christ. Luke 15, 10 says, just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. I think our time's up. Is that we end the service? Now, you know what? The, the nice thing about this, I could always go back, you know, and finish the rest of this. Okay, maybe another f- five minutes. Okay. Okay, next four, I'll just go through this quickly because I don't want you losing sleep. What would be his other points? Number four is all glory to God. This is very important for us to understand. I love this. Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. Whatever it is we do, we have no sense of entitlement. It is just our reasonable response, our act of worship to God. When we evangelize, I don't owe it to anybody. This is just my I just feel I wanted to do this for the sake of Christ. Amen? This is not, I am not paid to do this. I do this out of my own volition. Out of my own will, uh, my own heart. Paul, why do we need to give glory to God? Because at the end of of it all, we only plant, we only water. But ultimately, it is God who brings conviction. It is God who opens blind eyes to, to see. It is God who saves people. Amen? So just because God has used you to bring someone to Christ, do not be too puffed up about it. You were used by God. You are, it is a joy, it's a privilege that you become a conduit. But do not take the credit. All credit goes to Jesus. He is the one, he's the life changer. He is the one that, he's the healer. He's the restorer of our soul. He is the one who does it all. Psalm 127, well, unless the Lord builds the house, it's builder, slaver, and man. That goes for the church. If your small group is growing so much and tune up, for from our perspective, we need to honor you because of your commitment, your excellence in service. But really, at, behind it all, it's the Lord working through you. We cannot take full credit. We cannot be intoxicated by all of these praises. When someone prays you, you immediately give back the glory to God. Amen? We are just privileged and honored to be a part of this. John 15 The Bible says, Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. He is the source of life. We draw our life and sustenance from Him. As long as we abide, we will bear much fruit. If we don't abide, we we might bear fruit out of the flesh, but eventually it will lead to death. You know, there are some people, because of their clever abilities, they seem like they are fruitful. They can grow something, but if it is not born out of the Spirit, it will bound to collapse. It will lead to major heartache. Do things right. We have a friend. There was a situation. It's not uh, uh, just a friend from another church. He was a leader. There was a situation with their leadership. And so what he did, even though he had a good heart, maybe out of frustration, he said, ah, this is it, guys. I just leave quietly, but next week I'll go plant a church here. So what did he do? He split the church, whether he liked it or not, right? So then he came to us as friends. He said, you know what? I know it's out of frustration that you did that, but it was still an act that actually brought some division in the church. We would recommend to do it right, that you bless those people to go back. I would rather you that you start with zero and let God bless you because you're doing it right rather than building on a very wrong foundation. Even though you may have labored and worked hard for some of those people's lives, do it right. You understand what I mean? It is very important that we honor God in everything that we do. Why at the end of the day, it's not my clever preaching, it's not my charisma that draws people. After all, I'm the one who married them and you know did this and I do that. So they'll always follow me. Look, you we owe we you how do we say that? You don't owe us anything. Our service is a joy. We wanted, we're doing this for the Lord. It's a privilege for us to serve. There's no strings attached. Amen? Our greatest joy, like, jo, like the Apostle John said, is to see you become everything God wants you to be. Become successful in everything you do. Be blessed. This is And fulfill God's calling and plans for your life. The flesh profits nothing, but the Spirit gives life. Apart from Jesus, the and, uh, bottom line is, apart from Him, we are really nothing. I'll skip this. The fi- fifth one, I'll just finish these points. Uh, Romans 15.8, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done. This is powerful. This is a testimony to the authentic life of Paul. For him to have the audacity to say, leading the Gentiles to obey God, this is his passion by what I have said and by what I have done. It's not only what I say, but it's what, how I live my life. In fact, he validated this by saying, we love you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but our very lives. Sometimes, we have no problem with our messages, our lifestyle that that stumbles people. So this is an admonition for us. Because if you do it right, people, you don't have to preach much, people will follow God because they see your life. I'll just skip this. And the last point here, proclamation. By the power of signs and miracles, through the power of the Spirit, so from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Three very important things you need to see there. Number one, in proclaiming, we rely on the power of God. Number two, we could see there just, not only preaching the full gospel, but preaching the gospel where Christ was not known. These are regions beyond us. This is, guys, that's why it's important part of our obligation to share the gospel. is to not just stay here, but to take it to other parts of this island, to take it to Micronesia. Whatever initiatives or effort our church does, whether they're sending a team somewhere else, let's support it, encourage it, because vicariously it's all of us together. When we, every time we issue a call for missions, we don't expect everybody to go. That would be terrible. There's nothing, no one will be left here, you know. Only, there are only few people that are called to go, but we own it together. Amen? So we have a responsibility to individuals, to the nations. And I hope, it is my prayer, that as we send this authentic, that true, truly, what we are is we are witnesses for God not just in the time when you are doing witnessing, but we are whether you are 24-7 a witness. So I want to encourage you, live a lifestyle. Today, you're going to go out, eat in some restaurant, bless some people, invite them to church, make it your lifestyle. You go have a haircut, give some jokes. If somebody laughed, that's a cue. That's a cue, maybe. Maybe that guy, you know, will be saved. Can we close with a word of prayer? Father, thank you again for this church. Lord, we just continue to pray for Pastor Mark and Terry that you would use them mightily in Singapore. And Lord, for those that are here, thank you for all, for the church. Lord, you are the head of this church. Lord God, you are the one who will continue to grow this church. We're so encouraged by the worship, by the life in the people, by the growth that we see, by the new people that are coming. Lord, continue to even bless this church. Lord, our prayer that, 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 that you will use this church mightily to Lots of manpower resources and financial resources so that they will be able, Lord God, to extend your work to all of Guam and to the rest of Micronesia. Lord, continue to bring so much unity amongst us that will be united together. Lord God, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel that Christ might be proclaimed and that the name of Jesus will be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone say a big Amen. Give the Lord a big hand. Hallelujah.